Hey, y'all, we're rerunning two episodes today, which means that you'll hear two hosts, me and Tracy V. Wilson. Enjoy the show. Welcome to this day in history class from HowStuffWorks.com and from the desk of Stuff You Missed in History Class. It's the show where we explore the past one day at a time with a quick look at what happened today in history. Hello and welcome to the podcast. I'm Tracy V. Wilson, and it's November 4th. A confederation of Native American tribes massively defeated the United States Army on this day in 1791. That happened in a battle known as St. Clair's Defeat, which is also called the Battle of the Thousand Slain. So this followed the end of the Revolutionary War and the passage of the Northwest Ordinance. That passage happened on July 13th of 1787. So at this point, a lot of Americans were moving west into this newly designated Northwest Territory. And even though the Northwest Ordinance had been really clear in calling for how it dealt with indigenous peoples, that was supposed to happen, quote, with the utmost good faith, that wasn't what was happening at all. Instead, a series of unfair treaties really favored United States interests over Native interests. It also became really clear among the Native peoples who were living in what was now the Northwest Territory that they would never be able to preserve their own rights by dealing with the United States government on a one-on-one basis, with every tribe and every nation dealing with the United States individually. So they started forming a confederacy. It wasn't new at all for indigenous tribes and peoples to form a confederacy like this. This was something that happened a lot of times in history. This particular confederacy was known as the Northwest Confederacy or the Wabash Confederacy or the Miami Confederacy. In 1788, Arthur St. Clair was appointed the governor of the Northwest Territory. And one of his tasks was drafting a new treaty that would encompass all of the Native peoples in the area. But, unbeknownst to these same peoples, he had also been tasked with pitting them against one another to try to break up their bargaining power. After a series of negotiations, St. Clair and Native representatives signed two different treaties— They were both signed in January of 1789, and these two treaties were meant to drive a wedge between the peoples who signed each of them. And then on top of that, on top of the fact that these treaties had been created to to work them against each other, the peoples who lived farther to the west in the territory, most of them refused to acknowledge the treaty or to sign it. They said that it had been negotiated without their consent, and they were having no part of it. One of the nations that refused to sign this treaty was the Miami, and they had a lot of influence in that part of the continent because a lot of refugees from other indigenous nations had settled near the Miami capital of Pekianga. Then in 1790, a United States Army patrol found a body that had been shot with both bullets and arrows, and settlers in the area started calling for some kind of solution to what they called the Indian problem. So General Josiah Harmar started a mission to destroy Miami villages in response to this incident. They burned down several villages that were actually mostly abandoned, but they also contained a lot of stored food. They, at the same time, though, were goaded into chasing a native force into an ambush, and the general's force saw heavy casualties. A series of military engagements followed this, with the United States increasing the size of the army to try to fight the Native peoples in the Northwest Territory. St. Clair was finally put into command of a force of about 2,000 men, 
And they started making their way toward Kekianga in September of 1791. They had some native scouts with them, but these scouts weren't actually local to the area. They didn't really know its terrain or its peoples, so their ability to help the army was actually kind of limited. And this whole time, St. Clair was being observed and monitored by the people who actually did live there, while having no effective reconnaissance of his own. Then on November 4th, a native force attacked St. Clair's while it was encamped along the Wabash River. The Western Confederacy's force, which was led by Little Turtle of the Miami and Blue Jacket of the Shawnee, surrounded the United States Army and started fighting them mostly from the cover of trees. The United States force was defeated in a battle that lasted about four hours. And then in their retreat, the U.S. Army had to abandon an enormous amount of gear, including two forges, multiple teams of oxen, fully loaded pack animals, tents, 1,200 muskets and bayonets, and all the tools that they had been using to clear the trail and build bridges as they'd been on this mission. Among the Army force, there were 918 killed and 276 wounded. And this force represented so much of the United States Army's total that that was nearly half of the country's fighting force killed or injured in this one battle. You can learn more about this battle and its aftermath in the November 18th, 2015 episode of Stuff You Missed in History Class. Thanks to Casey Pegram and to Chandler Mays for their audio work on the show. And you can subscribe to the Stay in History Class on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and wherever else you can get your podcasts. You can tune in tomorrow for another of this month's congressional firsts. Welcome back, everyone. I'm Eves, and you're listening to This Day in History Class, a show where we peel back a new layer of history every day. The day was November 4th, 1956. The first nationally televised presidential debate in the U.S. aired when former First Lady Eleanor Roosevelt and Senator Margaret Chase Smith debated each other, acting as surrogates for Democratic candidate Adlai Stevenson and Republican President Dwight D. Eisenhower. Former Illinois Governor Adlai Stevenson challenged Eisenhower, who was running for a second term, to a televised debate. But Eisenhower refused. His administration decided that it would be better for surrogates to debate each other on policy. So, at Eisenhower's suggestion, the women's division of the Republican National Committee chose Margaret Chase Smith, the senior senator from Maine. In 1950, Smith gave a notable speech that criticized McCarthyism and the actions of the House Un-American Activities Committee. The Democrats chose former First Lady Eleanor Roosevelt to go up against Smith. At first, Smith refused. She thought that her public speaking abilities were no match for Roosevelt's skill and knowledge. But Eisenhower convinced her to accept the debate, and she began preparing meticulously for the event. Her appearance also figured into her preparation for the debate, which she figured would be important since they would be on TV. She decided to be in contrast with Roosevelt's, quote, partisan manner and, quote, top-heavy appearance. So part of her strategy was to wear a simple dark dress and answer questions briefly and slowly in an even tone. When the debate aired on CBS's Face the Nation two days before the election, it was the first time women were ever guests on the show. For 30 minutes, Roosevelt and Smith answered questions posed by a panel of reporters. 
Much of the debate was geared toward foreign policy, which Roosevelt had an advantage in as former First Lady and ambassador to the United Nations. But Smith had also served on the House Armed Services Committee. Smith later wrote, Mrs. Roosevelt was caught by surprise as I refrained from tangling with her. The more that I spoke softly and smiled faintly, and the less I said in reply, the more Mrs. Roosevelt seemed to be put off balance. And this made her talk more. Either way, Roosevelt dominated the debate with her long explanations, while Smith kept her answers brief as planned. Smith had previously requested to read a two-minute closing argument, anticipating a strong performance from Roosevelt, and the moderators agreed. In her closing statement, Smith was more emotive and less restrained than she had been in the rest of the debate. Roosevelt didn't care for this shift in demeanor and didn't shake hands with Smith after the debate. Public reactions to the debate ran the gamut, and it's not clear what effect the debate had on voters. But Eisenhower won the election by a landslide. At the 1964 Republican convention, Smith became the first woman to have her name entered into nomination at a major party's convention. I'm Eve Jeffcoat, and hopefully you know a little more about history today than you did yesterday. Know any fellow history buffs who would enjoy the show? You can share it with them. We're on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Podcast. Our email address is thisday at iheartmedia.com. Thanks for listening. We'll see you here again tomorrow with another episode. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows.